Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today here in worship. Whether you're here in person or worshiping online or through the feed to the Lutheran Haven, it's great to be with you today. My name is Vicar Joel, and I'll be leading our service today, and Pastor Tig will be delivering the message. I invite you all to please text your attendance. You can do this using uh, the app or the, to text 930 to the number that you see on the screen. And that helps us out in our worship planning. So if you could take the time to do that now or at the end of the service, that would be wonderful. Well, today we are continuing our Easter theme of resurrection. This changes everything. And today we'll be looking at uh, someone whose life was absolutely turned upside down because of, of the resurrection. Uh, Saul turned into the apostle, the great apostle Paul. So we'll be looking at him and just how he was changed from an adversary to an ally of Christ. Well, with that, let's begin our worship with the ringing of the bell. And please stand. We make our beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. O come, let us worship him.
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Our Heavenly Father has heard your confession this morning, and in his grace and mercy sent his one and only Son to suffer and die to pay the price of all your sins in full. As a called and ordained servant of the word, it is my pleasure and joy to speak God's words of love and grace to you today in his place and by his command, I forgive you all your sin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We pray. O God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant that your faithful people, 
rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness, and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Our first reading comes from Acts chapter 9. It is the conversion of Saul, and this text is the basis for our message today. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to, into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed God in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who call upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house. Lord, a place where glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house. 
in the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Our second reading comes from Revelation chapter 5. When Jesus takes the scroll, a new song of praise breaks forth in heaven. For everything is changing, and heaven itself is rejoicing. John writes in Revelation, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed for the, the you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please stand to honor the person and work of Jesus as recorded for us in the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Here, Peter reveals that he can't love Jesus as Jesus loves him. Yet, Jesus restores him to the ministry anyway. John writes, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but a, a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to them, Follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The resurrection changes everything. I really like how the early church has been called the way. Jesus taught that he was the way, the truth, and the life. The disciples followed him on his ministry along the way, and I've heard the way being described as the early church, not a gathering of religious people, but a group of people whose lives have been transformed by the resurrection and it had become a new lifestyle. And what would happen if the resurrection did that to us as well? Allowed our faith to become our lifestyle, not just expressed in weekly worship, but in our everyday lives. And then we're introduced to murderous Saul. We meet Saul first in Acts chapter 7, where he is the young man at the stoning of Stephen. And it's indicated that that not only did Paul, or excuse me, Saul approve of the execution, but he he participated himself in great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. Saul is described as ravaging the church by entering house after house, pulling Jews into prison. The language for me called to mind the Nazis going from house to house, capturing the Jews. This was Saul's attempt to purge his nation of Christians. And he's reintroduced in our reading today, Acts chapter 9, characterized as breathing threats and murder against the church. Saul even goes so far as to take the initiative to go to the high priest and gain his approval to receive a blanket warrant that he might arrest anyone he chooses at his own discernment. See, followers of Jesus, followers of the way, were expanding further and further out of the city of Jerusalem, and so Saul needed to take his show on the road and expands his scope to Damascus. I envision every step in Saul's journey to Damascus The evil was just growing more and more joy and anticipation for what he would be allowed to do once he gets there. But at just the perfect time, God intervenes. See, the people in Damascus who were a part of the way had no idea what they were spared of that day. Which leads me to wonder sometimes, how many times has God intervened in someone else's life that kept them from doing harm to us. Now there are some for whom the resurrection changed very little about their lives. It made me wonder, what would the marks be in a person's life, the marks of somebody who has been changed by the resurrection? What would that look like? And Saul gives us three examples today. The first mark that comes to mind is is very, very obvious, that the resurrection changes how we see. See, Paul was spiritually blind about the resurrection, and his anger burned inside and clouded his eyes from seeing the truth of who Jesus is. And then he was struck physically blind as well. In verse 8, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now, going from a sighted person to completely blind, I imagine that would be a very humbling experience. He needs to be led around. He's helpless to navigate without any kind of help. Now, see, a blind person who is in a familiar environment can manage fairly well. They know how many steps from this room to that room. 
They know the exact placement of all the furniture in the home. But if you take a person who has never been blind and instantly blind them and put them in an environment where they are not familiar in a brand new city with new people and new buildings, well, he is totally unequipped to manage on his own. His eyes are about to be literally and figuratively open to the knowledge of truth. Now, in chapter 26, Paul gives a more detailed account of his experience on the road to Damascus. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then there's this really strange phrase that Jesus says, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. More on that in a little bit. Who are you, Lord? Paul said, and the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus expounds on the purpose and the ministry that he has for Saul. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, listen to this, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I love these additional details. Let's get back to that. What does it mean to kick against the goads? Does anybody know that? I didn't. I had to study this one. It's a common expression found in both Greek and Latin language, and it's a rural image, one of, of farmers that see the, the uh, goads were these long slender rods that were blunt on one end and sharp on the other, sometimes even had a metal tip, and it was used for a farmer to move a stubborn ox into the direction that he wanted him to go. He would prod and poke and goad the ox to go where he wanted to, and sometimes, if you can imagine, the ox didn't enjoy that, and so he would kick against it. But kicking against a goad was a very bad idea when you're kicking against something sharp, and so it caused even greater pain, and eventually the oxen would go the direction he was opposed to. Now, Saul's conversion could seem to us to be a very sudden and abrupt moment, but based on Jesus' expression regarding Saul's kicking back, I believe that God has been working in Saul for many years, prodding and goading him. And then the uncomfortable verse of verse 18, at least it's uncomfortable for me, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Now of all of scripture, this is one of those that makes me just a little bit queasy to think about scales falling from his eyes. There was once upon a time several years ago, I attempted contacts and I got them in just fine, but getting them out, having to touch my eye, that was just unnerving. So glass it is for me. But scales fell from his eyes. It was almost like a rebirth, a new opportunity, a new understanding, a new way to see. Being transformed and seeing the world from a new perspective. Then Saul is baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and he sees the world differently from that moment on. We've said over and over again that you truly don't know something until it changes the way that you view the world. Knowing Jesus changes the way we see the world, just like scales falling from Saul's eyes. That we are to see things not from an earthly perspective, 
but from the perspective of the cross and the empty tomb. But what do we have in our past that blinds us to see the truth of how the resurrection impacts and changes our lives? See, when Jesus opens our eyes to the truth of the resurrection, it changes everything. It changes our view of the world. It changes our purpose in life to see and understand. To see and understand that even in suffering, God is at work, working things to our good. So the first mark of someone whose lives has been changed by the resurrection is that we see differently. The second is that we suffer well. The resurrection changes how we suffer. Jesus tells this to Ananias as he's sending him out to see Saul. He says, for I will show him how much he must suffer, that Paul must suffer for the sake of my name. Here is the irony. The man who is guilty of impacting the church with so much suffering and persecution will himself, on account of Jesus, suffer and be persecuted. How much have we suffered for the sake of Jesus? The suffering in the United States is pretty less dramatic. We don't really know true persecution. Of course, we may whine here and there about the shrinking Christian influence in our society or the growing opposing ideologies, but it's a far cry from actual martyrdom that happens still today around the world. We can suffer physically and emotionally. Perhaps you're in a season of suffering yourself. Maybe you have lots of questions about what God is leading you through or why he is leading you through it. Maybe it's causing you to question, is God's hand really involved in all of this? Well, if that's you, it's important for you to know that God is in control. He is fully in control, and he has a plan that is amazingly good, even if it feels difficult and overwhelming today. And his plan is that he will ultimately make everything right to undo every wrong and put the world right in his kingdom. And focusing on that promise, that promise that is in the eternal, puts in perspective today's temporary problems. See, they go from confusing and overwhelming to what God calls in his word light and momentary. Light and momentary. Sometimes the more dramatic of a ministry you have, the more suffering that you will endure. You see, Satan loves to attack those who are actively living out their faith in word and actions. He loves to make them suffer. He wants to impede their process, slow them down, give them discouragement. But for the bench warmers, well, he doesn't really have to worry himself too much. For those people who call themselves Christian but really do nothing, that don't live changed lives by the resurrection. They're of no threat to him whatsoever. But to those who allow God to transform them by the resurrection and are living, breathing incarnations of Christ, he does his very best to slow down and discourage. See, the resurrection changes how we suffer. We go from misery and complaining to even what Paul calls as rejoicing as we persevere. And though the way we suffer changes, we will need to find a source of strength that comes from someplace other than ourselves. And so if the first mark is that the resurrection changes how we see, and the second is the resurrection changes how we suffer, the third mark, it changes our source of strength. The Lord tells Ananias, 
go, along with startling news. This Saul, Jesus says, this public enemy, number one, is my chosen instrument. Now, this word instrument means something more along the lines of container or vessel, something to hold the name of God that will be carried out to the Gentiles, to the kings, to the children of Israel. Now, it's essential in this context, as we hear that Paul continues to grow and grow in his strength of ministry, that he's only growing in his strength because of he being a container that is being filled continuously by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God and not Paul. It is not Paul, but Jesus. The resurrection makes us instruments of God, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, with his power and his wisdom. So Ananias departed and entered into the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, remember that, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias calls Saul brother, this persecutor of the church, this enemy of Christ. He calls brother. See, Saul has been been baptized and is now an adopted son of God, just like Ananias has been baptized and is an adopted son of God, which makes them brothers. An amazing expression of grace and mercy on a part of God and Ananias. See, the resurrection makes us a family that forgives. And Saul, taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, I imagine this being a great time of learning for Saul, just soaking up the wisdom of the other apostles, asking questions, and growing in his own faith. Instead of this being a time where where Saul would listen for all the keywords to be able to identify a Christian so he could grab him and haul him off to prison, now he is listening with the intent of learning, of growing, of understanding. Saul is being fed both physically and spiritually. And here we get to that part where Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. They were amazed at his transformation. And this story of transformation gives even greater witness because of how evil Paul once was to how strong in faith he is today by the transformative power of Christ. We see that the strength of Saul was increasing and convincing even those who were of the way changed their hearts. Saul was a a man that they wanted to hate because of what he had done in his past. But because of the compelling words of the Holy Spirit coming out of his mouth, they fell in love. It was clear that the Holy Spirit was working through him. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection is change. And we see the center of what Paul had to learn is the center of what what all of us must learn if we're going to be a Christian, that it's not about me, that we are just the vessel of something great. The message of the gospel, our crucified and risen Lord. And if the resurrection happened, if that is true, then we need to rethink everything about our lives to see life differently. We see in Paul a dramatic rethinking and recentering of his life and his purpose. 
Christ is the center of everything in our lives. To quote a pastor in the Haven, if the resurrection didn't happen, then nothing else matters. If the resurrection did happen, nothing else matters. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Please stand as we confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, 
and was made man. He was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. You may be seated. Well, today we are celebrating the 75th anniversary of our school. And so with our offerings, we give give thanks for the work that God continues to do through this place and through our school. So we thank you also for your generous offerings of time and talents and treasure that keep this ministry going going forward. Uh, And we do also have a video uh, thanking you and and praising God for uh, the ministry of our school. Hey, Wildcats. I'm Wally Vinovskis. I'm president of the SELC District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. St. Luke's Lutheran Church and School is part of the SELC family. We cover a lot of the United States and parts of Canada, which make up our church body. And we're so happy to be with you today to celebrate 75 years of St. Luke's Lutheran School. In the Book of Lamentations, it says, You, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. 75 years. That's about three generations. It means your grandparents could have gone to this school, your parents might have gone to this school, and now you're here. And we're here to celebrate and give thanks to God for all the blessings that he has poured out on this church and school, for the spirit-filled staff, for the Christ-centered teaching, and for the grace-filled community, which is St. Luke's. I congratulate you, I celebrate you, and I praise God with you for his good gifts to you. Happy anniversary. Let's come before our God in prayer. Almighty Lord, Heavenly Father, there probably isn't one among us who wouldn't want to meet you face to face, and yet sometimes the change that your resurrection brings into our lives brings changes that sometimes frighten us. Help us to see the lies of Satan that hold us back from embracing the changes your resurrection brings to our lives. Aid us and guide us in our mission to proclaim the gospel so that more hearts might be awakened to the wondrous change of life everlasting that your resurrection brings us. Lord, you are the great physician. Restore health to those who are sick or injured in any way. Today, we especially pray for Bud Christie, Lee Conitzer, Millie Hirsch, Lila Hawley, Michelle Mueller-Jackson, Philip Menino, Bud Pedley, Pastor Roberts, Sharon Roloff, Valjeanne Shook, and Nancy Waterworth. Father, comfort and give your peace and the hope of the life everlasting to those grieving the loss of loved ones. Today we pray for the family and friends of Evelyn Heinlein at her death, the family and friends of Mary Overdorf at her death, the family and friends of Leola Newton at her death, and Shelley Goltara and family at the death of her mother, Jean Lackey, and Lori Burkett and family at the death of her mother, Cecilia Mooring. 
We lift up to you our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering persecution because of Jesus. Strengthen their faith with the hope that they have in Jesus' resurrection. Give them a boldness of witness that points others to Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks for this truly wonderful day when we get to celebrate new confirmants in the Christian faith. Help these confirmants to see the power of Jesus' resurrection and all that that, that means in their lives. By the power of your Holy Spirit, aid them to follow Jesus all their days. Thank you for the wonderful 75th anniversary celebration of school ministry here at St. Luke's. Continue to bless and guide our school leadership in the administration of this ministry and our wonderful teachers that pour their hearts into all their students. Give our students the strength to finish this school year well and aid them in their work of learning in the years ahead. We ask for safe travel for upcoming fifth grade field trip to the Keys. Guide the teachers, chaperones, and students in their experiences so that they might receive a renewed appreciation of your wondrous creation. And thank you, Lord, for the institution of marriage. We celebrate with Hank and Bev Millies as they celebrate their 55th wedding anniversary. Continue to bless their union and help them mirror your love to one another and to the world. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
All right, just a couple of announcements before you leave today. Uh, first of all, we do have prayer partners here in the front of the sanctuary. So don't leave here with something weighing on your heart. Come bring it to the Lord in prayer. Announcement number two. This past week was the uh, call service at the seminary. And we have, uh, at St. Luke's, we have extended a call to last year's vicar, uh, Sam Schick. He'll be coming here to serve as pastor uh, sometime over the summer. He still has to pass his classes, so he's, he's not out of the woods yet. But, but if things go according to plan, he'll be here in the summer. Um, and then finally, we, we are celebrating the 75th anniversary of our school. Um, there, was, there were bags that they were packing. Um, we've received word that they filled all the bags that they were packing. Uh, so that's great news. They may need some help loading them on a truck, though. So if you are available at 11 a.m., help them load on a truck. They also have notes that you can write to the people who will be receiving these, these bags, people who are homeless. Um, and also, they're giving tours of, of the, the school with uh, lessons about the history and everything that's gone on here at St. Luke's Lutheran School. So I invite you to check that all out. That's in the, the, the school as well as the school gymnasium. Stick around, get coffee, and give thanks to God for the 75 years of the school. All right, have a great week.